1: This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje.
2: Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Medjinomics. We have another special broadcast for you tonight. This is a friend of Medjugorje on December the 10th, 2010. Now, why is it important that we share this broadcast with you tonight? In the first place, there's a lot of things that appear to be in a holding pattern, but You can be sure that Our Lady is very, very active in this time. And what you make use of during this period of time is very, very important. Tonight, a friend of Medjugorje will say just that to us. He gives guidance on the direction that we need to follow right now at this moment in history. You will hear him tell a story that you have probably already heard before. In the context of what he's saying tonight, the story was important to share again with you, another important thing is that a friend of Medjugorje will say something tonight that was nine months before Our Lady said it. Now, we're not going to tell you right now what those words are. For many of you who are listening to these broadcasts, who are being formed by a friend of Medjugorje and the things that he is writing, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. After he speaks, we'll share with you those words. So here is a friend of Medjugorje, December the 10th, 2010.
3: I want to welcome you again here. It's a real joy for us. And of course, some are regulars who come here because becomes part of your daily walk in your life. And now Lady's got a way of doing that with us. You can't continue life as you've known it once you've encountered her, especially when you've connected with her in a special way that through conversion. She's told us that conversion is easy for those who desire it. She also said conversion is a process to last your our life. That's the hard part. What's available now to the world is something that's so unique that we can safely say it's never happened in history. And we can parallel that with the message you know and familiar with, of course, about I will give messages never before in the history of the world since the very beginning. That being the case, we can say that the whole event is the same way. Never have we had a divine being come to the earth like we do today. Jesus really was born and really was man. And of course, at the same time, he's God. Mary is a glorified person, a glorified body appearing to us every day. This has never, ever happened before. I know in many ways I'm preaching to the choir and many of you have followed the writings and things that we've put out for years. At the same time, we always have to re-remind ourselves of what we're in the middle of because you grow apathetic and you grow used to it. When the visionaries were... First seeing Our Lady, all they could do was cry. They couldn't stop. They couldn't get the mind off of her. They were constantly consumed by having this apparition. By 1988, when Maria was at our house, she was having apparitions. Immediately, within one minute, out of the bedroom, upstairs with my boys, and beating them to death with a pillow. They had never thought about that in the beginning, but it shows human nature, even for the person who sees it. It becomes routine. And way more than half their life they've had Our Lady every day. Yaakov practically has had Our Lady his whole life. They don't know what would be normal life for us. And we don't know what supernatural would be for them. Their normal life is seeing Our Lady. Maria and I was sitting here one day upstairs and we said something came up about Our Lady not appearing. And she says, well, let's hope not. She crossed her fingers. Because she knows, like Mariana told me about Yaakov, when he was still had his apparitions, she says, "This poor boy, this poor boy, he doesn't have any idea what it's going to be like." And when our lady quit appearing to him, he, he wept for two solid months. said so he never quit crying. We have to enter into the time we live in, because we're privileged in a way that people of our century ago and centuries back would be in wonder and awe of where we sit. And what we have, we don't understand it. And you're not going to come even close to understanding it or comprehending it if you don't yourself do what I ask. So when she says pray to understand the profoundness of the message, she means to do that. Even though most people, even those Medjugorje people, think they're just simple messages. It's just repeating the gospel. It's way more than that. Our Lady wouldn't tell us, To pray for the profoundness of the message. If there wasn't something to be discovered that we don't see when we read ink on paper. I know you've heard these things, but we have to re-enter into this constantly. I'm constantly learning about the messages. Constantly learning about the way. Every time I go back into it. And I'm constantly thinking, how did I get in the middle of this? How do we turn into what we've turned into? Which is the largest Medjugorje center in the world. That wasn't our goal. Our goal was just to transmit the message. The fruit of that goal is we turned into that by God's grace. So with the influence God's given to us, yeah, it's a responsibility. But my responsibility is my own conversion, not yours. The only thing I'm transmitting is what I've done. It's just that simple. It's not a real complex thing. So your whole surroundings must change through your conversion. When I first started taking people to Medjugorje, and for years, people would say, oh, I just want to move here. I never want to leave. And I remember one instance among several, but one particularly on Cross Mountain, where we were up there with a smaller group, but toward the end, a few people who wanted to go up before they went back home. And the lady said, I, I got my husband at home. I got my children at home. But I really could just stay here. I feel guilty for that. But then I don't. I don't want to go back home. I says, I never wanted to stay here. My first trip, I went back home because I want to make my home majoria." So it's a mistake to think we go escape to some place. Yes, we all need retreat. Yes, we need to go to Medjugorje. If you've been there fifty times, go. But that's not the plan. The plan is to transmit the concept or the idea of what Medjugorje is into your heart, and it manifests out of your heart into your home to become Medjugorjean. People like it that they can walk all around and pray a rosary any time of the day, no matter what's going on in the village whether it's the shops or wherever it may be people walking around praying it's not abnormal it's the norm and so it is here. the same thing you don't feel that you can kneel down at any moment and pray it's not awkward and this is future culture this is what we're supposed to be our lady said once carry the rosary in your hand is a sign of Satan it doesn't matter what the culture thinks out there if you're walking downtown or wherever you are in the mall praying you don't do it for show, but just do it for your life. I know when I was going to Philadelphia to get these statues, you see, and some down here, we were praying and following these things with our lady, and, and I would go down to Independence Hall and do the rosary and kneel down right there. But I'd already been doing that where we were for our apparition time. We'd just stop where we were. If we were at the zoo someplace. We'd get off the corner. We'd kneel down and do a rosary at apparition time. So it wasn't foreign to me, but was, I could tell by people's face in the middle of all Independence Hall walking around, the tourists like, what's this guy kneeling down doing the rosary? But every time I did that and thought about that and excluded them and included God, things burst through that. You become unblind to what everybody thinks they see can see. American history you never learned came from those rosaries. I didn't think about I'm going to do research. I started feeling in my heart what's written in that one booklet. Right there kneeling down in midday or at night or whenever I was right there at Independence Hall. And enough started coming to me to make me realize this is a holy place. This is holy ground. I never saw that. I'd been to Independence Hall as a tourist before that, but I'd never been there to pray. And I realized the Holy Spirit came into this building when, in fact, what took place, it was an impasse. There wasn't going to be a nation. It was over. That's when Benjamin Franklin said, is it possible for a sparrow to fall from the sky without the knowledge of the Almighty, then an empire to rise without his consent to it? So they stopped and prayed for three hours and it was broken. The Holy Spirit came in there and united these people. And our nation was burst. I didn't see that until I prayed outside of there. I didn't know that. I went from there one day after the rosary, walked two blocks around, and said, Mary, show me and make me understand the connection of this that your play in American history for us. I probably didn't walk two or three blocks and I go to this historic marker. And I read it. I can't believe this. It. St. Mary's. And I'm sitting and reading that, and it says right here in this church, this Catholic church, the first celebration of July 4th took place at the whole Continental Congress, Washington, everybody, in the celebration of Holy Mass. I was blown away. I didn't research that. I prayed and God gave it. And the whole book's that way. None of those things I went and found. It just happened. And it was easy to write when you find a historical marker. How come we don't know about that? How come we never were taught that in our Catholic schools even? It's there for you to take a picture of it. But we're too busy. We don't see it. And if we did read it, we don't even understand the significance of it because we didn't pray to comprehend where is the hand of God in our culture. And when you ignore that and you forget His hand and how He laid heavily upon us as a nation, then you falter and you go away from that. And that's what's happened to us. You can't begin to follow these things Everything go your way. Many of you converted and you think, Oh, finally you're getting in league with God. You're walking in the right way and you're walking toward conversion. And then your life starts falling apart. The magic word phenomenon. Everybody suffers and you wonder why. Why is that? Here it is. It's the same principle of St. Teresa. When she crossed the stream, her saddle fell upside down and she says, This is how you treat your the ones you love. How you treat the ones that your enemies. Seems like they got it, everything going. Seems like everybody's having fun and joy and all the, the good times is people that are converting. But those are converting are suffering. Why is that? There was a Dr. Lister who lived in the 1800s. And Dr. Lister was a surgeon. In London at the time, it was piled up with garbage. Knee deep, waist deep. So much trash and garbage was over there. You know, the Industrial Revolution was starting. So the accumulation and more toward consumerism. And it stunk so bad they didn't know what to do. It stunk all of London. And they began to spray carbolic acid on it, and it stopped the smell. Dr. Lister, in the meantime, was doing surgery and making great advances. But they were losing so many patients after the surgery, after it was successful, after they were able to put bones together or whatever they were doing, that the patients died anyway. And he began to see that what's wrong. And actually, people quit going to the hospitals. They saw the mortality rate was better if you didn't go. Infant mortality rate was always high. The mothers having babies was they were losing them. It was dangerous to have a baby in those days. The concept of germ didn't exist. They didn't know that. But Dr. Lister began to realize something was connected to this carbolic acid in this garbage. That the garbage was dangerous. And so he began to think about their surgeries. How they brought a patient in. They laid them on the table. On a patient was just brought out on a bloody linen. That Again, was covered with blood before that patient left, and the next, and the next, and the next. Same instruments. Nobody washed their hands. No sanitation. And so he began to come up with the idea: What if we make them change the linens? What if we make them wash their hands? What would happen? So he started instituting this, and it was soon that he started getting resistance. The nurses didn't want to wash their hands. You know, they came from a culture of, of centuries of thinking that wasn't important. They didn't want to change the linens. They didn't want to cooperate. But I mean, he insisted. And they fought him. As his rates went up, the medical mortality rates went up, the medical profession started to ridicule him and say this is ridiculous what he was saying. It wasn't sound. They made fun of him. And eventually got to his friends and he had nobody. Nobody stood with him except his wife. It was the only person he had that stood with him. Every single one of them ridiculed him, ostracized him. He was even kicked out of the hospital. He went this not just for two years, but his whole lifetime. He was really never accepted. What he did was never accepted. Only at the end of his life did they begin to accept it. And so it is, we have this guy that wasn't preaching the gospel. He wasn't doing anything. He was just trying to make a change in the culture. He discovered something that was really important. And through that discovery, he was able to help the community at large. And people resisted that. They rejected it. Pilate, standing in front of Jesus, when Jesus says, I come to testify to the truth. It's seemingly a frustration statement. Pilate says, what is the truth? We have the Medjugorje movement. We have what he's asking us to do. And we have resistance. Why do we have that resistance? You don't have to be preaching religion. Why do you get resistance if you're just doing something that's right? You get resistance in what you're doing. Why is that? Our lady has come, she says, to tell you that God is the truth. He exists. Is it any wonder we're slandered on the Internet if we give you truth? If we're ridiculed that we're doing all this for a lie? Is it any wonder that you come home to your family and suddenly you're alienated because you've got a little truth that you haven't been walking in that you changed to? You will be persecuted. You will suffer for this. Truth is persecuted. It's a given fact. Not from the Bible I'm reading here. I'm talking about a doctor that's not talking about God Because what he's doing, sanitation, is God. That's truth. Truth is God. So there has to be a holy mass and going to this or doing that or being on knees in prayer. If you're going to profess truth, all truth is from God. And when you do, be it a discovery, you're going to suffer for it. Our mission here, our very lives, our community, and you too. It's important to understand why you're persecuted. It's because the more you walk toward the truth, the more you will suffer. You're not going to escape that. And it may be your spouse. It may be your children. It may be your whole family converted. And they're alienated by the rest of the family. This is the walk. There A says, I'll offer you a better way, but that which will contain every sweetness of life. Because if you stay on the truth, the devil's way is to get you from the truth, not to follow the truth, mitigate the truth, only have a little bit of truth, You'll just suffer the bitter. You won't have the sweetness. Our lady's building a new way of life, a new culture, the present culture, everything, economics, politically, government, entertainment, the sports, every single thing is going to crash and be destroyed and shatter at the feet of our lady. And not through that rubble is she going to rise something up. We can't say, oh, well, this is a good system. We're going to do it. We're having a whole new culture a whole new way, a complete break of the present day of life that we know it. Life will change from one moment to the next as you know it. And maybe several times, not just one crash. You cannot have the presence of the Holy Virgin Mary every single day coming here to bless us without that blessing being exorcistic. You think she's coming to bless the mountains and the trees? And that's all she's got to bless? That's doing God's will. They're doing perfectly the will of God. We aren't. We're the ones getting a blessing. And every time we do, it's not good. It's not pleasant. Because there's things in you, things in your family, things in your heart, things in the culture around you that's got to be purified out. When something's purified, what do you do? What does the doctor do with a tumor? It's not a pleasant thing. Our lady has not come for pleasantries. What many people say, oh, she's come, we love, she loves us. Is our lady tilting everything toward chastisement, Doom, gloom. No. She's telling it toward love and forgiveness and mercy. Because you're going to need to remember that when the time does come and it's because her who said, for the one who prays is not afraid of the future. One who fasts is not afraid of evil. Meaning what? Our future's got a lot of evil coming down to us and it's going to be a frightful future. And so it's over slanted the other way toward love and mercy because we're going to need to draw upon that in the midst of these trials, in the midst of purification. And you're already having to do that as families now, as individuals. People can have a perfect marriage until Medjugorje. And so there's distance. We call it spiritual distance. Many Medjugorje people have messed up. And some have divorced over Medjugorje. In fact, all the foundation on us and our persecution is from one individual who went to Medjugorje. With his wife, and then getting a divorce, he pledged his twenty-five million dollar fortune to Medjugorje being a cult. He wanted to make Medjugorje a cult. He put it out, bought radio stations, built websites, did everything to make Medjugorje a cult. Because the cult took his wife away, and I'm not saying she wasn't at fault. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there for that. But you can't come home and beating your spouse or your family or somebody else or your neighbor over the head with these messages. It's not for them. It's for you. You were called to Medjugorje. I was just talking to somebody. My last trip to Medjugorje and he says, oh, such agony, you know. My spouse, he's not interested in Medjugorje. I said, how old are you? 48. And when would you convert? Last year. So it took you 47 years to convert and he's not converted yet and you want to wait. You want to make him do it when you do it. God didn't pick you until you were red on the vine, on the tree as an apple. If your spouse is still green, it's going to be sour if you start trying to push him. Leave him alone. His conversion is going to come from your change, your conversion, you becoming everything you are supposed to be, to perfection. That's what would change him. That's what draws him. If you're not willing to do that, you're never going to convict somebody. You can't convict anybody toward Medjugorje until you change your life, until you walk the light. And we've had many, many people go to Medjugorje. They do the addition of what are they saying. The addition to their life is the rosary. The addition is Holy Mass, even daily communicates. The addition is even fasting often. But they don't change their life. She gave this addition to the, the villagers for six years. Six whole years she asked them to pray. Fast. Come to Mass. Wake up in the middle of the night. She had the visionaries, the interlocutionists waking up, Yola, told her one time on a school night, three o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the winter, to go to the mountain, cross mountain, and don't bring a flashlight. DHR come after. We call it DHR, child abuse here in our agency in Alabama. I don't know what yours is. Can you imagine? This is the mother saying, go up this mountain and on school night. That's shocking. And today, many people, if, I, if you really did this to your kid on school night and the teacher found out that they had to walk up 2,000 feet away in the middle of winter with no flashlight, you'd go to jail. You really can so our lady has these people doing this. They're living this way. She comes six years later, January 25th, 87. Dear children, behold, also today, I want to call you to start living a new life as of today. Why does she say such an awkward statement? Why does she say also today, I want to call you to start living a new life as of today? do not even proper. Nobody in it grammar would sit there and say you write that way. And yet she says don't change anything in these messages. Not in any part of it. Because what she says, she means. And she means with this, okay, i got you praying three hours a day. i got the youth going on Friday nights up the mountain instead of partying. I've got them doing fasting. i got them standing up all night in adoration, coming home and going to school. Maria did this many times. I've got you doing this. Okay, now, six years later, she says, now change your life. They couldn't see it before. They didn't know what they needed to change. They needed a six-year university of Our Lady to understand it was at that point... That they had to make some radical changes in the way they live. Why? Because the appetite of what the devil offers us to consumerism, materialism, money, or love of money, and all these things, clouds us and obscures really the true Jesus Christ. Who she comes to bring to us. And so it took six years of grounding these people. and, And they were hard people. They were tough people. I remember my oldest son and I, we had to get in the bed in the middle of the daytime to get warm. Because it was like here if you go, no heat, cold shower. After about four or five days, we finally took a shower, freezing to death. Because you couldn't get out and go find a heater. There was no heater. You couldn't walk out in the mall and you're walking around and then go inside and get heat. Or get in a car. There was no heat. You got cold. You just got cold. And it was normal for them. Because they didn't take a bath but once a month. I always wondered why. I and mean, when that happened, I know why. <laughs> but these people were tough. They loved God. All right? He says I chose these people because they're good Catholics. And yet, she had to ground them in this kind of prayer life, this kind of sacrificial life, for six whole years before she told them what she really wanted to tell them. And this is a foundation message. You've heard me talk about it repeatedly. But for the context of our hearts today, we'll go back through it again. Dear children, behold, also today I want to call you to start living a new life as of today. Dear children, I want you to comprehend, which means you don't comprehend, I want you to comprehend that God has chosen each of you, not me in this mission or the community, each of you, everybody out there, anybody that opens their heart, anybody that even, that's a, the foot getting the door of our heart, anybody. That each one of you, in order to use you in a great plan for the salvation of mankind. That sounds an interesting proposition. That sounds like, ooh, well, maybe that, that'd be interesting to do. So what am I supposed to do? How are you going to use me, God? What do you want from me? She's told us to pray to comprehend. Comprehend what? You are not able to comprehend, not able to comprehend, how great your role is in God's design. Don't think and don't underestimate what God's going to do with your life if you accept this invitation. Because it's not a matter of really an invitation. It's a time of you being chosen, accepting something now in the time of grace, or being forced to take it after the time of grace. You've got to choose it. You've got a choice to make. It's not, well, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it next year when everything's comfortable. I'll do it here later. It's not that way. It's that way only in the time of grace. After the time of grace, the decision will be forced out of you. You'll either accept God or reject it. Our Lady says, do not reject the name of God so that it might go well for you. Which could be said, if you reject the name of God, it's not going to go well for you. And Our Lady doesn't exaggerate. That's nice words, but you can't even imagine. Just like she says, you can't imagine what the Almighty Father will send to the earth. We're dealing with God. We're dealing with His judgment on our culture. Not the end of the world. On the present culture. We're losing everything. We think we make a gain, but Satan wants to keep us in certain arenas. He wants to keep us in the political field. think we make a gain there. Everything's not going to work. Satan will allow us to make a little headway to keep us locked there instead of just breaking away from the whole system as much as possible. How do you break away from the whole system? You have to pray to comprehend that. I don't know your entanglements. I don't know your debt. I don't know what you're involved in. But God does. And He'll give you the way. He'll show this to you. You will not be able to comprehend how great your role is in God's design. Therefore, so here's the therefore. You can't comprehend it, so therefore this is what you have to do. Dear children, pray so that in prayer you may be able to comprehend, third time she's mentioned comprehending this message, that you may be able to comprehend what God's plan is in your regard. There's a plan for you to discover, even if you've been in Medjugorje, even if you've been following it, what does God have for you? What does he want from you? Where does he want to take you with this? I am with you in order that you may be able to bring it about in fullness. There is no way that you can want and desire and exceed what your wants, if you achieved it in life, that would be compared to what God's wants and desire for you and the happiness that of doing the will of God. Often God starts taking things away from you and it don't look good. He takes this, he takes that, you can't do that. I mean, that's how where I went. You're taking this now, you're taking that God, you take, you know, but I knew L.A. said it. I knew she was truth because God sent her, God's truth. She says he exists. And I knew it couldn't lead to a dead end, even though it looked like a dead end. Even though it crashed many times, it looked like nothing was there. But through destruction of things in my life, what I didn't know was she was doing construction. I've termed it Construction through destruction, we grow. It's an amazing thing of the Medjugorje movement. You do this, and you say, oh, this is what God's coming to, and this ain't good. This ain't going to be good. This is going to be bad. And it's true, it is, because there's something God wants out of your life, but he's got something much better for you when that's gone. Far better than you could ever imagine. So I'm with you in order that you bring it about in its fullness, not partial. Not just go so far. But there's something in this message that's not foretold in here. She talks about comprehending that God has chosen each one of you. She says that you must pray you're not able to comprehend how great your role is in God's design. She says to pray you may comprehend God's plan in your regard. What she doesn't say in this is what she said in that middle comprehend. You are not able to comprehend how great your role is in God's design. You will not know The greatness of your role on this earth. You're not going to know it. You don't know who you're going to touch and who that person is going to touch and who that person is touched and that person converts. Maybe a huge sinner to become a Saint Augustine. And you won't see the threads of those connections until you get to heaven. So a lady says something beautiful. You cannot comprehend the greatness of your role in God's design. Incredible. Six years. These villagers are doing this. And then she comes and says this message. Saw your prayer. All your fasting, all your sacrifices is to get you to ground zero. You're not even above the water yet. It's not the addition of these things. It's the foundation of these things. And then, Dewey already says, change the direction of your life. Because if you're being pulled by the culture, you're following this, you're doing the sports thing, you're doing this, the entertainments, you're doing the economics, you're doing the investments, you're doing all these things and the way people do their life and the party and the way or relaxing or condos on the beach and the condo here, all that's going away. Will there be no more houses? I'm not saying that. I'm saying the present way of our operations, the present way of the culture is going to disappear in rubble. And you've got the opportunity that the mother of God is here at this moment to follow her in such a way for even physical well-being. Our lady said, and we think we're, physically we're supposed to suffer here, we're supposed to be miserable, we're not supposed to have enjoyments. Our Lady said, December 25th, 2008, I call you to stop in front of the manger to meditate on Jesus, whom I gift you today also to bless you and to help you comprehend that without Him you have no future. It's not Mohammed. It's not Buddha. It's not yoga. It's Jesus Christ. And something really incredible in this message. And that's where I used to discover the profoundness of the message. And then she says, to have a future, I'm calling upon you in front of the manger to meditate on Jesus. Not the crucifix. The manger. Baby Jesus. Do you think it's perhaps easier for them to accept Jesus as they see in a manger if you're a non-believer? Babies are a lot more easy to accept. They won't debate you about politics. They don't have, I don't like this so much. So, you know, babies are fun to be around. They're are easy to accept. I know mean, you didn't say this about calculation? Because if we think we don't have no future, we've got to go in front of a crucifix. Because we have that mentality. The saints suffer. We're going to suffer. Everything in life is going to be bad. All right, he says, I want you to be joyful. Ivanka said that God wants the suffering of none of his children. So what's coming, God wants you in this time of grace to be making your decisions. Spiritually, yes. But the spiritual is always affected by the Physical. We don't have people walk at a wedding down real slow and doing all this protocol because God needs that. We need that. What would it feel like somebody just ran down an altar without any thought of formality? What do you think? And I've been to St. Peter's many times when people walk in there who don't even like the Catholic Church who stand there in awe of the physical. God wants your physical well-being. It doesn't mean He wants you to be rich. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be in peace because your greatest treasure, it's not riches, your greatest treasure you can have on earth, Our Lady said, is peace. And another message, Our Lady says, God is peace. We don't have God in our culture. What is not of God and apparitions every day are in total confrontation. They're in contrast to each other. Our Lady coming as a woman, chapter 12, to do battle revelations with the dragon. Everything, therefore, not of God will be shattered if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, when you see it, you become a believer for most people. That's what the sign on the mountain's about. It's to prove our existence. But then it will be too late for many people, are they adds. And so it's good to review these things. It's good to know that we're measuring people here. But what are we doing with that? How reluctant are we? What changes have we made in our life? How much direction have you made? Our lady says the direction, she don't mean just, well, this one I'm going by just off three degrees. Change your direction. 180 degrees the other way. Go the opposite of the culture. You can know who to vote for by the media, who they hate the most. Vote for that person. And whatever the world's against, you can bet, or rather for, or rather against too. That's where you need to be. Whatever the world's for, you need to be away from it. I said, don't expect everything to be going good for you. Don't expect even your family to have strife. Because when you enter in with truth, people don't want truth. Because truth means change.
2: That was a friend of Medjugorje, December the 10th, 2010, speaking to a group of pilgrims here at Caritas. Did you catch the words that we were referring to? A friend of Medjugorje said that life will change and that everything is going to crash. He said, literally, that everything that is not glorifying God will be shattered at the feet of Our Lady. Our Lady said, in the message, September the second, two 2011, and it's the message that you hear a friend of Medjugorje quote repeatedly, everything around you is passing, everything is falling apart, only the glory of God remains. A friend of Medjugorje specifically mentions economics, politics, government, entertainment, and sports. And what have we seen happen over the last year with everything economically, politically, in the government, in the entertainment world, and sports is falling apart. Now, we live here with a friend of Medjugorje every day. We see this happen repeatedly, where we know that Our Lady is guiding him in the thoughts that even though he might not necessarily know the full extent of what he's conveying, but he knows that Our Lady wants him to convey those words, only for us to see later on that a lot of his actions and a lot of his words were very prophetic. And this is all the more reason why in this time you need to be coming closer to his writings, coming closer to these broadcasts, training yourself in them, grounding yourself in this direction that Our Lady is giving to us through him and there is not a better way to prepare for the 40th anniversary of our lady's apparitions than to do this in his words a breaking away from the whole system not to escape to another place but to make your home at igoria just like he did and what we heard tonight was exactly how to do that to seek truth at all cost and to discover that plan in his own words there's a plan for us to discover So to conclude tonight's broadcast, again, here is a friend of Medjugorje, December the 10th, 2010.
3: So we see truth. But the question is, do we see full truth? So we have people saying, well, this is good, but it's got a little bit of lie in it. Reject it. Completely reject it. We've had to do with our mission things that wasn't completely wrong or completely bad, but there was enough there that wasn't the right way. And we just I just rejected it. And it cost. It cost a lot. But what we got and back from that was tremendous. And so you need to look into your life. Our Lady wants you to review your home. What's there that's not true? And change it. You fell in it, go confess it immediately. Get rid of it. Make those changes in your life. It don't mean you won't fail. It don't mean you won't be weak. Allah says, you're weak. St. Paul says, when I'm the weakest, I'm the strongest. Our says, you're weak and not humble. But I call you to be strong in God.
2: And on behalf of a friend of Medjugorje, Caritas of Birmingham, the community of Caritas, BV and Pilgrimages, the Caritas Mission House in Medjugorje, Medjugorje.com, and Radio Wave 24 hours. Good night.